down and wanted to be the ones that look smart and tried to bail out early, but uh, quickly realized that that wasn't the case once everyone else started kicking off and then realized they need to get back in it. Had a lot of pressure from from players, parents, uh, I mean, everyone top to bottom, senators, everyone getting involved, trying to pressure the league to come back. And then, you know, what I thought was the actual smartest plan coming into the season, their original plan was we're going to start right at the beginning of September. We're going to build in multiple by- – like they, they cleared out all the non-conference so they could have multiple bye weeks in the season because they said inevitably there's going to be slip-ups and mishaps and, and you know, you're dealing with COVID like we've seen in every other conference. So let's build in bye weeks. And then they just scrapped that. Like after two days after coming out with that, they scrapped it and then went, went all the way back to nothing. And then, you know, then it was spring and then it was – like I said, all the pressure mounted and here we are. I mean, I'm really, I'm past all of it now, but uh, I'm ready to just, just roll with it. It was a nightmare. And uh, as you've seen watching the rest of these teams play, it's like you need another dog in the fight at this point because it's a mess. I mean, this season's been a mess, honestly, as much as I love college football, it's been a mess and uh, it's just going to be good to see some, some new teams in there and hopefully, you know, can just help, bring some more uh, heat back for college football in general. So, so Jay, I'm going to switch to you real quick because you guys also had a, a key vote in wanting to bring the season back. Um, what was your impression of what was going on um, as far as who's to blame for this starting so late? I feel like Kevin Warren definitely – he was definitely trying to look good and, you know, play like, like, like Chase said, play a political game, which – it didn't make sense to me because I was like, we're going to have weeks where, as you can see, some people are just going to have a lot of testing go wrong or you're going to have a lot of cases. And I felt we started maybe in August. I'd be originally a plan, hopefully, and then, you know, break it up where you have bio weeks in case things happen. You can get through it. Gives you a little, you know, a little breathing room. Like right now we're starting obviously this weekend, but there's no breathing room. Like if you catch a couple of cases, especially with the rules they have, it just doesn't make sense to, really kind of stuff it down within next six to almost nine weeks trying to get everything settled in. And I think they it backfired because I think they thought everyone was going to lay down and be like, okay, we'll just close it down. But with everyone playing, especially Ohio State, Nebraska, I know um, Jim Harbaugh was definitely talking about it. Like we could come down to um, plan something, have a solution, at least have a plan to attack it instead of just sitting here and saying, oh, hope to play in spring or hope to play in winter, which I didn't think was an option at all, especially NFL not going to help with that. Akeem, um, you're the odd man out, as always, in Michigan. <laughs> so I do remember there were reports that <laughs> Michigan was holding everything up. Uh, and if we're talking politics, it was due in part to, I guess, the Democratic governor and some other issues going on. Is there any truth to that, to your knowledge, or, or, or what's your take on everything? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> good. I mean, it's I mean, always Michigan. Like, like Chase said, like Chase said, I'm, I'm past now. I'm ready to go. So, so I'll, I'll tell you this too: the official, the official line from the conference and the key differentiator, they um, and whether they want to give that credit to the president or not is the availability of rapid testing they're saying that that's what made the difference in why they could come back and why that actually is significant is because hopefully unlike what we're seeing in some of the other conferences where players are going out for 
weeks at a time, or it just seems like a confused mess whenever there's a they, there's a case reported. They're supposed to be able to contain it better and be on top of it better. And I know like Ohio State, I think they're giving like 200 some tests a day in the Woody Hayes facility, just like players, everyone that, that comes through the door. And it's like everyone's tested every single day. They're getting these rapid results just to try to like mitigate anything. And um, I guess that wasn't available up front. So the official line from the conferences is that was the key differentiator. What what made the made them able to play the season after all? So I think this is a good question for everybody involved. In, and we can start with Marcus because I know he's as excited as anybody to finally be back on the show and have his team playing. How does how does starting the season late and given all the chaos is going on right now in college football, how does that affect, and we will be open about it, Ohio State's chances of being in the playoffs if, say, they slip up and lose a game. Um, is there a chance for maybe Michigan to, to get into the top four? Uh, you know, I think, listen, the Big Ten is back because Ohio State is one of the four best teams in college football. That's why we're playing this season, right? Like, uh, in all due respect to Nebraska and all other programs, but this thing is built around this Death Star in Columbus, right? And that's that's fine. I think the conference has realized that, that you know, to get Ohio State back and the money is going to provide for the conference, but pr- starting the season late, I know we talk about a lot of the negatives and the Big Ten left themselves no wiggle room, but let's look at the positives. Like, and you know, they've seen cases around college football now, Florida, Texas, A&M, even Bama, you know, false positive. So everything you have to deal with from a management standpoint, now people in the Big Ten can look at, you know, the data, how people handle situations and say, hey, moving forward, here's some of the things, you know, we can do. Plus, like Chase said, you got the daily testing that really helped, you know, all, I guess, presidents, ADs, and all people in power to come together and say, hey, you know, it's time for college football. But, you know, (laughs) I think starting late, was good, right? Like, I think we've seen something different. And now it's like everyone on the edge, like eyeballs are going to be on an Ohio State, Nebraska TV. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the highest watched college football game of the season so far, because people are itching to see Ryan Day. People are itching to see Justin Fields. How are we going to replace Chase Young? How are we going to replace Jeffrey Okuda? And all we really is good is, you know, are the preseason indications have been so I think like everybody here, man, I think we're ready to get the season started. But I I think, man, I think everybody now is, you can see, like I know SEC always dominates, you know, the storylines. But I, I think people maybe not underestimate, but the Big Ten holds its own weight and brings a lot to the table in its own way. And it's I think you're going to see that impact from, I mean, you just seen the commercials already. Fox, I can't get Urban Meyer off of my TV. Get him out of it. I don't want to see him, man, every five minutes. <laughs> Urban's Big campaigning new, for a new on, coaching man. job, man. Do something else, bro. Hey, um, yeah, he is. He trying to he trying to come back coaching. He really is. Um, I was gonna say because Ronnie's talking about your haircut made me laugh, but um, we can go ahead and jump into the games because I know everybody wants to really get to the meat of it. And even though it's a primarily gambling show, I mean, you guys have some of the best insight in the conference on players to watch for and things to look out for. Um, obviously, Ohio State's the juggernaut, but if there's any other key players or, or people that you think could potentially um, maybe pull like what Minnesota pulled last year and really make a splash on the scene and upset some teams, just, you know, drop that information for our uh, viewers. So we'll start with the first game, probably not the most interesting game, but it's the first game on my bookie. 
it is Illinois is traveling to Wisconsin. Illinois is a 19 and a half point underdog. The over under is at 51. The history of this does not look good for Illinois. Um, most of the games they lose by 20 or more. What should we expect from this matchup? We'll start with you, Chase. Uh, the one thing to, to note for Wisconsin that's uh, changed is that Cone just got hurt and had foot surgery, and so they got a new quarterback. But um, from what my understanding is, as good as Cone actually looked for them last year, that this guy was already pressing him for his job. Um, and the one, the one thing that kind of like has benefited the Big Ten is everyone missed the spring, but the Big Ten kind of got like – a semi-spring warm-up in this off period. So they got to develop some of these younger guys. So you're going to see that in the quarterbacks and the skill guys, because it was basically, there was no pads for most of the time off, but it was a lot of like seven on seven type stuff. So a lot of like the younger skill guys, including this quarterback for Wisconsin, got got reps that he wouldn't have otherwise got, you know, if they started a month ago. So, um, you know, I expect them to be, Wisconsin and and I think that Lovey's starting to do better with Illinois but uh Wisconsin's a juggernaut people don't realize like you don't think about it because they haven't they haven't punched through yet but they've been to the um Big Ten title game just as many times as Ohio State since we've had it and uh so you know I mean they're the juggernaut of the west and I I expect them to cruise uh I think that's, that's about right uh, Akeem, they closely resemble you, your team from time to time when it comes to failures on the road. Um, Wisconsin is a juggernaut at home, though. Uh, is there any chance that you can see of them maybe having a hiccup early in the season with this Illinois team who can be feisty from time to time? I don't think so this year. But mind you, they did. Illinois did catch them sleeping last year. Yeah. When we all were hyper, well, Wisconsin was pretty much rolling at one point. It, it was the week before they played up. The Ohio State. Game. Yeah, yeah, it was that, the look ahead week. Lovey caught him slipping. So I don't see that happening this year. Hopefully, but you know, with the shortage of games. But with Wisconsin, like Chase said, they are a juggernaut. I mean, they are what they are. You know what they're gonna you're gonna get from them. They're consistent with it too. Large offensive line, good run game. You know, and they're gonna they're gonna smash a pound, Paul. But other than that, no, I don't see I don't see Illinois. Even though I think Lovey's got that program ascending, they're they're being more competitive. I just don't see that upset in week one. I can't see it. Yes, last year they were a twenty nine point favorite and they lost outright. So yeah, there was some ridiculous value in there. Uh, Jay, what's your take on this game? as a Nebraska fan, do any of these teams uh, put any fear in your heart? Oh, no, so that last part of the game kind of broken up. I was going to say, are, are you intimidated by any of these teams as a Nebraska fan? Um, I'm definitely looking at Wisconsin to see. Um, they've been kind of quiet offseason-wise, like, I heard about the injury, and they did have, I think, one of their special um, returner guys transfer out. But, you know, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, they're going to be solid. They're going to be strong. They're going to be fun with this sound. They're not going to beat themselves. Um, they're going to run and smash you. And if you can't adjust to their ground attack, then it's going to be a long day. I think Lovey Smith has definitely done a lot better than I expected at Illinois. Um, when we played them last year, they definitely brought it to us, and we had to really 
really get in our bag and get out there. I'm kind of intrigued to see how Minnesota is going to play versus Michigan because a couple of the guys opted out originally, but they're coming back. And they had a lot of hype last year. And now I think we're going to really see how they are when people are actually looking at them and seeing, giving them attention that they think they deserve. Um, they do bring back one of their running backs. They did lose two of them, but they do have a solid receiver, a decent quarterback. And, you know, Robo the boat, you know, he'd be thinking he's got it. So we're going to see how he does against Michigan. Um, I think it should be an interesting game. I'm interested to see them. So I think Wisconsin and Iowa are probably the two front runners in the West. I think those are two teams. Iowa's been quiet, but they've had a lot of scandal. I think that's going to bring them together because it's been a little rough with the racial issues out there. <laughs> racial issues in Iowa. Who would have thought that? I, I never saw it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marcus, uh, Wisconsin 6-0 and straight up in their last six home games, 7-0 and in their last seven games against Illinois. Um the over is four out of five uh, in the last um, five games, obviously, against the Big Ten Conference. Six and one against the spread in their last seven games in general. Any value here for you? I know you like to take risks like me sometimes. You see any value here? Uh, no, no. Okay. I think, uh, you know, just from a, a football, from a gamble, from a betting standpoint, I mean, I'm a five that what Wisconsin is going to cover the 19. I think you're going to see a game in which I, I know people talk about injuries and how impactful Jack Cohen is. But one thing we've seen in, in college football is you have an elite player at the quarterback position, you coach him up and you get him on the field. Graham Mercer is a playmaker. I mean, he's the highest rated quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history. I know people are kind of probably downplaying a little bit because he's a freshman, but if you watch Wisconsin, you watch them play. I know we talk about the run game. We talk about, you know, the things they do on offense. But Paul Chris is probably one of the better, I would say maybe not well-known coaches in college football, man, because based on the output and the production he gets for what he brings in the program and to how limited and how much access Wisconsin have, man, to see what the input, you know, the caliber NFL running backs, offense and linemen. And now I think you get a guy like Graham Mertz who's, going to allow them to push the ball down the field with Jack Cohen. They did some things differently last year, a little bit of spread, more spread concepts, more tempo, some quarterback options, some quarterback-based runs. So for me, I'm just want to see what Graham Mercy is going to look like within the game. And a dude Akeem knows well, Brandon Peters, man. Like, you know, this is a solid Illinois team. Like, this is probably, you know, in a, in a decent year, I think this is a maybe a six or seven, you know, a bowl caliber team for Illinois. Yeah, definitely six, seven bowl win. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you get a guy like, they got a lot of transfers. You got a guy like Luke Ford who transferred in from Georgia, who was a four or five star recruit from the Illinois area. You got Brandon Peters back. I always screw his name up, but Josh Imohetep Bebe. He was nice. He killed Wisconsin last year. And, you know, they have enough transfer and enough pieces to maybe keep the game interesting, you know, for a half, but, I mean, I think, look, Wisconsin is one of the better defenses in the country. They returned nine of their 11 starters. I think they returned, <clears throat> what, 18 of their top 20 tacklers? Like, you talk about depth, man. I mean, Wisconsin has it as a program. And, you know, I think this game is really about setting up, coming to see just what Wisconsin is going to be for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think Wisconsin's last, last year's team was more athletic than I've seen them be in years past mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. And that made for an interesting storyline. So it would be interesting to see how they build off of that. I I like the idea of Illinois uh, being the team that you guys are saying with Lovey and the program moving up. I just, I'm with you. I don't really see it this week. Um, I, I like Wisconsin here, especially with their uh, work 
their body of work done at home. Um, the next game that pops up is a game that I think we'll all have some interest in just because of the side storylines here. Rutgers are visiting Michigan State. And we'll start with you, Jay. Why didn't anybody want the Michigan State job? Or at least why didn't the people that they wanted to take the Michigan State job wouldn't take the job? I mean, it is it, Michigan State, man, it's hard to recruit out there. Like, they're first in a division where you got the big dogs out there. You got Ohio State, Michigan, and now you see Franklin bringing um, Penn State up. It's really hard. And the recruiting, like, you have to, you really have to be like down recruiting wise and really have to, um, I'd say, take your time and who you bring in because you're not going to get the top dogs in there. I mean, when they had Wayne and when they had Denard back about like say close, uh, about six years ago, when they had that you know no fly zone, they were looking good. But since then, it's been kind of falling off for Michigan State. And it was weird seeing the Colorado coach go overnight because I remember seeing that like pop up around like twelve o'clock. Like the man literally left Colorado overnight on some I'm going to start right back kind of run and then just not come back. But I mean, I think the ties he has there and what he's trying to do, I think it will bring the intensity. But it's going to take, I felt it took a couple years. And recruiting-wise, that's going to be the biggest thing because, you know, Franklin's in his back. Like, he comes and gets what he needs to get. Ohio State's Ohio State. Michigan's Michigan. And there's not much scraps left over. So we'll see how Michigan State does. I didn't think it would be a strong year for them. But their schedule is not crazy. But in an ordinary, you know, 12-game season, I would think that it would been maybe six, maybe seven wins. But that transition is going to be kind of tough for them. Jay, since, since you feel so passionate about this game, <laughs> why don't you think people are the person or people that Michigan State won? I mean, I think that's interesting that they kind of struggled to get somebody there, or at least the, oh, the man from the Look, smaller school. If I recall, the position was filled after signing day. That's a nightmare. They, uh-huh. Like, what are you going to do then? You can't, you can't even bring in one guy of your own and then – like, I think I, – I don't know if they're facing sanctions officially, but, I mean, D'Antonio went out with some sketchy stuff going on. There was players getting in trouble. It, it kind of just, like, all blew up. So, to take that job, it's a huge risk. I mean, you play in a very competitive division, and you're you're basically saying, like, we're going to we're gonna have to give the, the next coach three to five years to even try to build something because you've got a bad roster. You can't get even – you can't even sneak a, a class in – and I mean, nope. it's a joke. It was a joke take. Like, I think I'm, I'm glad Fickle didn't take it because it was it's a setup, man. And I feel bad for the guy because they're going to be awful this year. Um, I mean, <laughs> like playing Rutgers is about where they're at. But this is going to be the measuring stick for both teams. And I, and I think Shiano uh, has more experience and, and can he's got more juice going at Rutgers than Michigan State. I haven't seen anything positive coming out of that program at all. They kind of wanted to duck and run from this season, and I think they're sad that they even have to play it. So we'll see, man. Are you gonna be? Are you gonna support your boy Shiano? Who? Yeah, nice quarterback. He got he got Nebraska's back um backup quarterback um Benjol starting for him. You see, yeah, he's building something up there, but it ain't gonna be this year. I mean, he, he yeah. took a bunch of nah. players from the Buckeyes. He's he's getting people from 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 kind of all over. He he's he's gonna take Harbaugh's honey hole in New Jersey. It looks like too. So we'll see where this goes over the next couple of years. Should they extend Harbaugh? We can talk about that later. <laughs> Akeem, I see I see your face, Akeem. I see your face. <laughs> we not we not gonna talk about Harbaugh just yet. Let's talk about the little brother 
or I don't know, are they the little brother? Because don't they beat y'all too? I mean, what's your take on Michigan State? As usual, a team gets in some caught caught up in some type of scandal. They go hire the nickel coach, <laughs> Notre Dame with Willingham, Tiger at Florida State. Yeah, it's nothing new. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. I mean, I wish he had got another job, considering I'm a Michigan fan. But hey, it is what it is. I mean, we got to beat him down. We got to beat him down. Even though I don't want him, I don't like beating down nickel coaches. I I'm not a fan of that at all. To be honest, I'm not a fan of nickel coaches. So, I mean, um, but <laughs> Rutgers, I mean, Shiano, he's got, he's got, he's he's got familiarity with the program. You know, former coach over there. He's got some a lot. He got quite a few guys returning actually. So that should be that should be interesting. I think Rutgers. I don't know. I, I could see Rutgers winning that game. Like Chase said, Michigan State. They they they're just trying to get the year over with, especially with all the scandal they've had going on. And they don't have any momentum right now. And I don't. And we play them next week actually. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we take care of business in that game, but. As, as, as far as this, this game goes, uh, I actually got Rutgers winning. What's the line on that game? Uh, the line on this game is 13 and a half. Um, and if you want the straight money line gamble, Rutgers are four to one. The over-under is at 44.5. Yeah, see, I would definitely take Rutgers. Yeah. Is that is it worth the money line play? A four to one? I mean, it's it's what you would call an upset you, alert. I mean, we do those. like this. Don't take my advice because I've lost <laughs> quite a bit of money lately to some of the guys in the group, so I can't really, <laughs> I can't say anything, honestly. So, all right, Marcus, would you call this the upset alert? Yeah, I mean, I think Akeem's stole my thunder a little bit. I think going looking into the season, like some of what Chase was saying, like you get a guy post signing day and who was essentially the number three, number four option for the job, and I think, listen, congratulations to Tucker black coach in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten East specifically, and in a state where, you know, talent is prevalent in that state, man. I mean, I think people think about the state of Michigan, but they produce a lot of talent, man. And for them to be able to be in a position to, in the state, recruit pretty well and to to not only that, but to go into a state like Ohio, man, who produces high-quality high school football where, you know, Ohio State is going to give what they want, maybe Michigan, but you got programs like Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, Kentucky specifically, West Virginia, who recruit heavily into the state of Ohio. And to have that kind of, you know, play into what Michigan State, like their strategy for a program is going to be. And, and like Chase, I think that I don't think they're going to be really good this year, but I have a little more faith in Shiana. And I mean, like you said, he has Vedral, he has Malik Powell, he has Peyton Powell. I mean, he's got like, like they literally went on a free agency spree where they brought in, you know, 12 <laughs> transfers with a lot of, veteran ability from programs you know Ohio State man I think um TCU Baylor literally from all over the country so, I mean I, I think Shiano really has been licking his chops for this game and has put a lot into this to be you know his Rutgers debut he went out um got a new offensive coordinator and with Vedral to you know be more of a up-tempo spread offense I think he's going to kind of model this program as a mini Ohio State like from his personnel decisions and how he's going to run a defense and how he's going to run the offense and hey man like Akeem said I I, I think the nickel coach man he's getting a square he's getting the raw end of the deal here long term because 
I don't know where Michigan State is going to fit. I think, you know, people just assume that it's easy under Dan Tony for them to be good. So, I mean, I don't know where they really fit within Michigan, Penn State. Indiana's a lot better, man. So it's like that. You got a lot of talent you don't know yeah, about. That seven and eight win tier, man, is just really, you know, those either crossover games or those, you know, teams between Maryland, Northwestern, teams that are within that. So, I mean, I honestly, I have zero interest. I, I'm so happy the Big Ten is back. I probably won't even watch this, man. I can't. From a gambling standpoint, I was intrigued by the 13 and a half. I, I think, um, I think that's. Yeah, I like Rutgers to cover, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a high long for a team historically doesn't have much offense anyway in Michigan State. Um, and I do think that uh, regardless of what we all think of Greg, as a coach in his tenure at Ohio State, when he was a head coach at Rutgers, they were competitive. Um, so I expect him to, to kind of get that energy back. Um, I can see a cover here. Um, I, I might consider an upset alert. I'll let you guys know. I'll post it later. Um, at four to one, it is intriguing for sure. Um, let's see. The next game we've got. Oh, <laughs> Ohio State and Nebraska. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> All right, if if I can look, let me see, because the line keeps moving, man. It, it it was at 24 when I started, and now it's 26 and a half. It looks like everybody and their mama is betting on Ohio State. Even the Nebraska parents are betting on Ohio State. That's kind of crazy. Um, Jay, they kind of threw you guys to the wolves, man. I'm sorry. As you can see, that smirk. Chase's face. Yeah. Chase, Chase is just like, yo, it just had to be the homie. I don't care. what should we expect what should we expect um I feel Frost is definitely going to try to throw out some surprises I mean it's 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 a nothing to lose nothing I mean it's like we I say basically no nothing to lose kind of game you're expected to win it you're not expected to come close expected to blow you out so go out there kind of have fun see what you can do um I don't my, my prayer is we can keep it close to halftime. I think Ohio State is loaded. I feel like even though they lost all the guys to the um, NFL, if you're going to try to catch them kind of sleeping, the first game might be it because, you know, it's going to be kind of rusty for everybody. But I feel like Nebraska has a lot of new weapons that they're going to need time to gel. Like, we have some talent that looks good. We have some um, – Adrian's finally healthy. Mills is back. We got a um, nice running back from New Jersey, Tompkins. He's about to be the backup. Got Omar Manning, who hopefully should be starting. I've heard rumors he might, might not, injuries, whatever. But my biggest concern still is defense. Like, still running that 3-4. We still got some issues at linebacker. Um, secondary is good, as always has been. But if your front seven is bad, I don't need to throw the ball like that. I can just keep running until you stop me. So I feel Nebraska, can, the, the hope is to keep it tight within the first half and then see what happens. But – they're going to need exceptional play. He's going to have to uh, – Adrian's going to have to have a big game. My fault. Going to have to have a big game. Going to have to lead. To make it close, to keep it competitive, it's going to have to be throwing somewhere in 300. At least three or four touchdown passes, maybe one running. Going to have to be – no, no interception like he had last game where he That's threw like three or four to first. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to win. I'm just looking to – I'm looking to stay competitive. Um, It'd be nice if we keep it around 17. But – I think because of how Nebraska and Ohio State were cooling off season or fighting, I don't think Dave's going to try to put 60 or 70 on us. But, I mean, he's going to definitely try to get the guys early so he can give some rest and whatnot. He's not trying to get nobody sick. not trying to get anybody hurt. 
because the um the rules for the COVID for the Big Ten kind of suck. Yeah. Like if you catch that, you could be off for like three weeks or some shit. Though, from what Chase was telling me the other um couple weeks ago, so, so you definitely want to try to get it early, early win. You know, clear your guys out, make sure everyone's rested. I wouldn't doubt that if Ohio State player who is significant or or like let's say Phil's Phil's test positive for COVID, I wouldn't doubt they wouldn't fly Nick Saban's doctor out and test him for the next three days and get Those him cleared. <laughs> yeah, you got a lie. You got you got to lie about that. Someone got to take a fall oh, for that. You can't let they're not above line. We're talking about we're talking about a team endorsed by Nike, right? They're definitely not above line. It's like the mob, man. We got to prick your finger before we do business. Yeah. Okay? You know, how it's mob. <laughs> we got to see what you. We got to see how you operate under pressure first, man. Hey, Akeem, you got no dog in this fight, so let's let's get your Hell. opinion. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like to see it end in the tie, but uh, what's what's your what are you expecting from Ohio State this year, and, and uh, how do you see this game playing out? In a perfect 2020 world, Nebraska will win this game, but they're not. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, now you like man. us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but nah, like uh, like 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 Mark said earlier. Earlier, I think they're a juggernaut, man. I I watched I watched something on TV today. They're 66 or 68 and four since 2012 in the conference. That's crazy. Like, we, I mean, that's why, I mean, we can't even say Michigan can't beat them. Nobody in the conference can beat them. I mean, that's, that's wild to me, but. We don't, we don't I, have Ben here. So I'm just going to go ahead and do his plug. Purdue would beat him because he keeps bringing that game up. <laughs> hey, I, I hate, I hate to hype these guys up, but I'm a fan of Justin Fields. Like, I, I can't front. I am yeah. a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of Fields. I think I think he's just as good as, Tre- as Trevor Lawrence, to be honest with you. I mean, you I mean I know I know it's a hard pill for me to swallow to say that, but I, I think he he wanted this. I mean, he wanted to play. He was like the guy, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was like petitioning a lot. Him and T Law were the first two. Mm-hmm, yeah. He wanted to play. So I said so draft profile. This is what he wanted. Let me see what he got, you know. And as far as Nebraska, oh, man, sorry, Jay. <laughs> hey. <laughs> the, so, hey, man, look, it, it is what it is. I I know it's about to be some bad weather up there. It's going to be a lot of bad things. In it's going to be 50 degrees. <laughs> I checked the weather already, right? You know, I'm, I'm the Columbus plug, man. I checked the weather, <laughs> hit the horns. It's going to be 50 degrees with a 20% chance of precipitation. So, so Jay, God can't save you guys. God ain't saving <laughs> Chase, you've got uh, Phil's uh, number one on your no, big no. board. <laughs> Tell us what we should expect from Justin Phil's and uh, Ohio State and what you expect them to do when they come out. The Chase yeah. Polian big board. So you know that's yeah. it is, uh, yeah. a big endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> um, the offense, the offense is – not going to be the concern at all for this game. Um, The offensive line should be the best in the country. And I think that we're going to have a backfield. uh, It's going to be more of a split with Sermon getting more of the carries, um, but it's going to be more of a split than we saw last year with JK getting almost all of the load. So I think we're going to run a lot more than people think. And then uh, Justin's going to get his chance to shine. They're going to try to keep him upright. I don't, you know, 
I don't see him. I think if he gets touched like in in the Big Ten season, then Day's going to be hot. So, um, yeah, I mean, offense should be explosive. I I have no concerns about that. Uh, A lot of people returning, all good there. Defense, totally different story. Um, Basically, bringing back the linebackers, but a lot of new guys everywhere else. Um, A lot of guys that have played but haven't started and last year's unit when you have three first rounders, I mean, it's, that was a different unit. And so I think like, you know, we can't expect that that we're going to be shutting down teams like we did last year. And as we've seen like this COVID season in general uh, uh, with no one having tackled and all this stuff for so long that the defense is just down in general across all of college football. So expect to see Nebraska's got some, some big time speed. They got skilled players that are fast, like legit fast. And, uh, and Martinez is good, man. And he's, he's got a lot of experience. So um, you're going to see some guys out of place in our secondary. Like we got proctors of safety that likes to take chances. And so when you get fast guys and, uh, and you got guys like that on our side, it's, they're going to put up points. I could see them definitely covering. Um, but I think we're going to just, you know, we're going to put up points on offense on, on everybody. And, and hearing the reports from the team today, like, they're well aware that style points are necessary because of the late start and they really want to, to put it on everybody. And um, so we're going to see, man, I, I'm really interested to just see how the defense comes off. I'm, I'm confident in the defensive line, although there's some, there's some holes there that we really need to see first before we can give it like the full Larry Johnson blessing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the pieces are there. This should be a championship caliber team and we should be able to see it. And uh, Nebraska is not a joke. It's not like they're they're trash or anything. So, you know, like I, I think it's a good it's a good first game, and then on to Penn State, big time game next week. I like to point out I do like your kitty table behind you, just in case you need that next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marcus, so Frost has been here a couple of years. Yeah. It, matter of fact. My real question is, Nebraska was with you guys 100% all the way on getting the season started. Why, why are they getting treated like this? Kevin Warren, man, you know, listen, it's so much of college football. You know, college football operates within this bubble as if everyone else is stupid. Like, nobody else can read between the lines. Everything is so personal, regional, and political in college athletics, man, and uh-huh. You know, you going, you hey, it's like Diddy, it's Suge Knight. If you don't want, you know, you're producing, dancing in the videos, you know, if you don't want that, <laughs> then hey, listen, man, you need to sit down, be quiet because you got Scott Frost, you had the Nebraska AD who was sitting up, Ohio State was saying, we want to play. It wasn't really an anti Big Ten message, but when you got someone like Scott Frost, you know, poking his chest out and saying, hey, man, we'll look for options outside of the Big Ten. And you know, Kevin Warren said, we're, all right, watch this. Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, can I get y'all on the line? <laughs> it's, you know, it's crazy because Barry Alvarez, who was in charge of the scheduling committee with Gene Smith, Barry Alvarez, I think most people remember him, you know, as the Hall of Fame coach, you know, Ron Dane, just establishing the Wisconsin program. But he's a time, I mean, he's a Nebraska guy, man. Like, he's a Nebraska grad. Nebraska and, alum. Yeah, like – and to stick it to his alma mater like that to go through murderer's row. And I think now we're getting into the point where I'm starting to think like, okay, what is this Nebraska program going to be under Scott Frost? And I think 
like at its peak, I live in a world where I think that Nebraska can be at least be Wisconsin, right? Where they're a perennial nine win, maybe a 10 win team, someone who's bringing in top 25 talent, developing talent for the NFL, but there's certain hurdles I really have to see Scott Frost get over. And I think they've lost some games. And I think he's kind of questioned himself a little bit. And I've heard him, you know, read some things like, Maybe his play calling was a little questionable, especially in the end of games last year, man. And Nebraska just couldn't close out games. And I remember that, what was it, two years ago or last year, that Colorado game, man. And I'm just like, this Frost. Like, and I think it's because he maybe didn't trust his players. But I think now you've got, what, Diedrich Woods back. You've got, look, I know Martinez is the guy, but McCaffrey is, it looks like that is maybe not a quarterback battle, but I don't think there's a position where Scott Frost will, you know, hey, Martinez isn't playing well. I think he's comfortable enough with McCaffrey, who is Christian yeah, McCaffrey. McCaffrey pushed him. Yeah, he pushed him in camp. So I think you're going to see Nebraska. Pushed I think him really good. Yeah, a litmus test to maybe what they can be going forward. But, you know, I see a 42 17 type game. I, I do think Nebraska covers. And I think like Chase said, I think we get into a game where maybe Ohio State is really rusty, trying to press early, get those style points. But, you know, until like a, what was it? Florida Atlantic game last year, you know, everybody's like, oh, Lane Kiffin's calling such a great game. He's hanging with Ohio State. And the next thing you know, we just explode for 38 points in a quarter. And it's like, oh, wow, here's what the, you know, this, this team can be because you get the best offensive line in the country. You get arguably, you know, a top, two player in the country and Justin Fields. Then if you just look at this roster, I mean, you're talking 14 five-star players, 52 high four-star elite uh, four-star players. And it's like, I don't, I don't see in a position or I, I'm just looking long-term at this Ohio State team and just how talented it is. And then for, for week one, I want to see what our identity is going to be. I mean, you got Master T and you got Trey Sermon, who is an Oklahoma transfer and had, you know, a really good career there. And it's like, okay, are we going to be, you know, just really ground and pound, work off the play action, allow Justin to take his spots. But I think part of Ryan Day and just listening to him talking, he's even said it, like he's taking it a personal approach and personal goal to develop quarterbacks in Ohio State. And one of the reasons, you know, Justin was coming back is, you know, for him to really learn the terminology, take the playbook to the next level. So I think Day is well aware of like, hey, man, I'm sitting on a Ferrari and I, I'm about to take it to the track and just, Whatever happens, happens, man. So I, I I think that it gets pretty out of hand between the second and third quarter, man. But, yeah, I, it, it's going to be what it's going to be, that type of game. Like, Ohio State's just talented, and if they don't cover, it's just going to be because of their own doing. And I think – I see a 25-point game, man. Fields and those guys are probably going to come out halfway through the third and kind of get C.J. Stroud or Gunnar Holt or somebody else in rep. So I can't envision a scenario where they don't cover. For, for their own safety, because I feel like nobody's going to get in the way with the ultimate goal for Ryan. Day. Yeah, that nobody. Is, that's what I'm saying. That is like, to get to the NFL and coach somebody. That's and, not where his ultimate. That's I'm not what you, I can see it in his face. <laughs> I can see it in his face. If he had to beat Clemson last year, he would have been out. Listen. Would have been out. I, I know people wish I, I feel like 50 like many men like I feel like at every quarter I turn on IBS somebody taking shots at the kid and taking shots at our brand man I'm like why, why, why y'all hate us so bad like why did, I think because people know how insufferable I would be if Ryan Day left like people like RC knows I would probably have to check into some type of mental institution I would get out of all of my socials. Like I would be crushed, man, because the thing I always say about Ohio State now, and it's like, 
I really can't stop talking shit is because Urban Meyer was an elite program manager, but he would get out schemed. He would get out coached within games. Like Ryan Day brings that ability to not only recruit, manage a program, but he is also an elite X and O guy. And I think one of the things I want to see with the Battle Ohio State this year is like, I want to see what the defense with Kerry Combs is going to look like. Like, I mean, you know, we went from pretty much this Seattle, San Francisco cover three based defense where it's just read and react and go, man. You just let your athletes go. And now you're going to, he, he has some experience, man, in the NFL. And I really want to see how that's going to play into our defense, man. We're going to go probably to more sub packages and become that, you know, a more, I guess, hybrid defense under Kerry Combs. So I'm just excited to have us back, man. And, this conference needs us. They suck without us. And they should just embrace it. I don't I don't think that <laughs> I think this panel is a good representation of why everybody hates Ohio State and you two. And that three out of five people do wish that you two would just break down and cry every year. I actually look forward to it. I mean, Ohio State will never be as bad as Florida State, which unfortunately does suck. But if I could just get them to, you know, maybe be Michigan for a year, that would be just enough. I'm just happy, Sorry, man. King. I have Stinson Benedict, <laughs> man. Like I'm just happy to be here, man. All right, um, switching over to the to the next game. I think everybody's got some interest in, interest in in the conference. Um, Penn State is traveling to Indiana. Penn State is favored by six. The over unders at fifty nine. Um, <clears throat> Chase, we'll go back to you starting out because I, I think you've got some interest in this game um, for the simple fact that you're looking forward to the next week matchup for Ohio State and Penn State. What do you anticipate seeing out of this uh, Nittany Lions squad this year? I mean, they should be the second best team in the conference, but they've lost some big time pieces now with Parsons being the only non-Wolverine to not opt back in and, uh, you know, losing their running back this week for the season. That's that's big stuff, but, you know, they, they have a talented roster always and Franklin's a good coach and, uh, but the interesting thing about this game is that Indiana is just kind of like one of their trouble spots. They they beat them by seven at home last year and by five last time they were in Bloomington. And Indiana's gotten a lot better, and they're returning a lot this year. Tom Allen's got, you know, I think he's going to get the – they're going to be a lot better this year. And, and I really think that they can press Penn State because Penn State's got to – I mean, that's not an easy game to open with on the road when you have Ohio State the following week and you're coming off this long bye, it's like, you know, you don't have any t- any chance to work out the kinks because Indiana is super motivated. They already called out Ohio State, said that the quarterback said that they're going to beat Ohio State already. Like, they, they're already coming out gunning. So it's going to take Penn State's uh, – it's going to take effort from Penn State, and I think it's going to be a close game. What What's the line on it? Uh, six. Yeah, I mean, that, that's right there where it's, it's been, been the last it's been couple a steady, years. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a steady six too, which – Kind of concerns me from a gambling standpoint. Uh, Indiana's Indiana got an open offense. Oh yeah, they do. They do. Yeah, they, they, do. they have one of the more uh, exciting offenses uh, to watch uh, in y'all's conference, especially. But in general, they got a lot of a lot of down south talent on the low. Yeah. So, um, Akeem, again, you got no dog in this fight. I don't think you hate either team. But there is some there is some uh, some jokes going around about James Franklin and Harbaugh similarities of not being able to coach big games. Oh, I, don't compare him to Harbaugh, man. Don't oh, okay, all right, all right, my bad. Don't do that. <laughs> better coach than Jim Harbaugh. I mean, how can anybody say other? 
Been to the playoffs. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I can't <laughs> Look, okay. as far as the pedophiles go, I don't know. They should be the they should be pretty good. I mean, they lost Hamler, who I liked a lot. Yeah, a like Michigan guy, by the way. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, Michigan guy. Yeah, Hamler. But other than that, you know, they got a lot back. I like what they got going on. Franklin, they've been ta- talking about him leaving for the longest time. I think he's going to be there for the long haul, to be honest with you. I mean, he's got a like, good thing going down there. I said, why leave? I mean, and Indiana, they are really, really good on offense. I mean, very underrated in my mind in terms of offensive talent. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, is who's their starter right now? Penix? Yep, Penix is not here. Yeah, I, I, I read that uh, I read Ramsey actually went to Northwestern. Yeah, he transferred. Yeah, yeah and I think actually it's funny. I say Northwestern. They're actually one of my sleeper teams, actually. So, you know, I know that's, that's crazy because they got a lot coming back. I mean, they yeah, got, they like, the most starters, uh, returning starters uh, back in the big thing. Yeah. Because Russ is good every other year. So, yeah. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, but uh, as far as Penn State and Indiana, yeah, that line is six. Yeah, that, I think that's going to be a high-scoring game, to be honest with you. Yeah, I see some points put up. The over-under is at 50. Uh, 50? 51, 50, uh, no, 59, sorry, wrong game. 59, uh, but that's still not – I'm still not too scared. I think that could beat that. 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 I think that could beat is if they are pressed pace-wise from a team, they will speed up their game as well and, and try to run tempo with them. So that does make it somewhat intriguing. Um, I remember last year, especially in the, the, first the, Memphis, the Minnesota game, the Minnesota yep. game, they got down, but Minnesota kept the tempo going and Penn State got pressed and, and they started pretty much going super fast Russian themselves. Throws. And in that case, it kind of mm-hmm. worked against them because they couldn't stop Minnesota, but um, it, it was definitely a lot higher scoring than I think a lot of people anticipated. And I think that happens from time to time. Now, when he plays the bigger programs like the Michigans, Ohio States and things like that, I think he has a more uh, reserved approach to those games. But these second tier schools like Indiana that, that might run a little bit of tempo, I think they can make them get out of their system a little bit. So it's intriguing. I, I would have to look at the data a little bit more on that, but um, I, I don't, I'm not afraid of it because I'm okay. Indiana's good for 21 to 25, I think, in this case. And I would anticipate if they're getting that much, that Penn State is is probably a touchdown or two ahead. Yeah. I'm gonna pump the brace a little bit. I'm I, I think I think Penn State will get pushed, right? I think if Stevie Scott can provide some energy to the ground game, I mean Northwestern has, excuse me, Indiana has a lot of talent, man. And with Michael Penix and an approved defense, like Tom Allen's a defensive coach, but if they do enough, I still think, I mean, even though Journey Brown's gone, I mean, they still had Devin Ford and Noah Kane. Like, I mean, Penn State arguably still has the most talented running back room in the country. And I think adding Pastor Rocker from Minnesota to come in and to really give the, you know, I think Penn State's offense were at their best when an RPO-driven offense under um, – man, it's going to come to me. He's at Oregon now. And um, 
to see what James Franklin has really built this program on and to see like, hey, will they be able to, like you say, play up to their level and up to their standard and maybe not down to the level of Indiana, especially the week before Ohio State game. I still think it'll be a, I think it'll be a 27-17 game. Both teams are breaking in new offensive coordinators. I think maybe Penn State holds a little bit back for the Ohio State game, but I think they do just enough. Maybe it's a seven-point game going into the, you know, the last four minutes of the fourth. Penn State goes into four-minute offense, grinds it out, kicks a field goal. You know, it's an exciting game. I do think it's going to be an exciting game, but I think it's probably Penn State is going to come out early and take control of it. But, I mean, man, I would really hate – that would really suck. I'm being selfish thinking about Ohio State. I'm like – Man, don't let Indiana win, man. That'll suck all <laughs> the air out of our big game. You know, we had that every – it seems like every time we get to a primetime game, it's like, oh, well, of course Ohio State's going to win. Penn State lost to so-and-so last week. Wisconsin lost to so-and-so. I'm like, damn, man, let us get ours, dog. We want some too. Like, yo, hold on. Like, your winning percentage is 97%. It don't really matter, bro. <laughs> it don't really matter. Um, let's see. Let me, let me game, say this about that okay. game, though. Like, Penn State's not generally a high-scoring team, so if you all think that Penn State's going to win, then they're not going to win in a shootout with Indiana. So yeah. it's going to be low-scoring if it's a Penn State win. But, lower, I mean, Penn State, Penn State is bringing back – you know, they're bringing back a quality defensive front, even without Mike, Micah Parsons. I think they've recruited – I mean, second to Ohio State within the conference. Brandon Smith's a dude from Louisa five-star linebacker who's going to step in and probably play. You got a guy like Jason Owa that we recruited. Um, I forgot the other end's name, but, I mean, these are going to be two NFL guys. Like, Penn State's putting guys in the league that they have talent, but I don't know. It just always seems that they plateau at that just second tier. And maybe it's not a plateau. Like, that's maybe that's just what the program is, and which is fine. But I, I think that Indiana – they're going to be out outmatched up front, man. I think that's kind of what's going to matter going far. But it, it's going to be a good game, man. I, I think Indiana's going to to just they, – they're just pesty, man. Like, they just stay around long enough. But you're going to – I mean, they're not going to beat themselves, so Penn State is going to have to go out and beat them. And like you said, they're not going to win in the shootout. So we, we've got a lot of other games that, honestly, we don't need to cover. But there is one game left one game left that I know we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting line. Um, Go Gophers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan is visiting Minnesota, and it's a three-point game. Michigan is favored by three. The over-under is 54.5. Akeem, this is your moment. Tell me why I should bet Michigan. Well, I like this. Honestly, I think Minnesota should be favored in this game, to be honest. Oh, God, that's not the way to start out. (laughs) The only reason I say that, they got nine starters returning on offense that was really good last year. Like, really good. Really good. And they just had maybe one of the – maybe the best receiver in the country, one of them, and Rashard Bateman come back and opt in. I mean, that's trouble. And then Tanner Morgan – probably after fields, I think might be the best quarterback in the conference. Yep. And they got a nice running game. And then their offensive line, that's actually my biggest worry about this game, is their O-line is humongous. Their O-line is big. I forgot his name, 400 pounds. Like, how are we yeah, supposed to Yeah, bro, from Australia. Yeah. 
Hey. I always supposed to push a guy that big. Like, you ate cheeseburger as well. Damn, man, like they're huge. I'm not. And, I'm not trolling, bro. I have an honest question. Does Michigan still have like their fullback at defensive tackle? I think so. Oh yeah. God. Oh man, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Michigan's defensive line is is supposed to be their best like part unit on their team. Yeah, that, that's true. To be hey, as good as Bosa and all this nonsense, so you better hype up your D line because that's all I'm hearing. I, I like I like Payton Hutchinson. That at the ends, I think they're going to be really good. Carlo Kemp inside. I mean, we're solid. I think we are solid on the line, D line. They're small in weight, but they, they I think they make up for technique. You know, you know, more a little more quickness. But when y'all get body last year a lot. Now, like, yeah, but when if you notice. If we play like a bigger offensive line, our line usually got Don Brown had no answer for that, like no answer up front in terms of the running game because we used to get punished. Ohio State did it; they had like over 200 yards rushing. Wisconsin did it. Army. <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut, chill. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the truth. Chill out. Russian eruption. <laughs> yeah, chill out. But uh, Don Brown's got to show me, man. He's got to show up. And this is a big game. It's the first game, and it's a big game. I think Minnesota, I think offensively, is going to be one of the better offenses. When you have nine starters, and considering what's been going on during these times, you have more Zoom Zoom meetings instead of being on the field. I think their chemistry together is going to be pretty pretty tight to start the season on offense. But as far as Michigan goes, I think we'll be okay. Like I said, my guy, pandemic Joe Milton, you know, I think he – if there's any quarterback, I think, in the country that can elevate his team, I think it could be him. And this is Harbaugh's first nickel quarterback. And remember, like I said, the last time we had one, you know, all <laughs> it worked out, you know. But, uh, and I think, I, think, I think that's the key. I think we have to fight. I think, I think, I think a nickel quarterback, we have to combat that with Ohio State. Because every time we get to that, get to that game, we get smashed at the quarterback position. Because they have all nickels at quarterback. And Mark- we have all these salties that can't do anything. They're not even good. Marcus has been so selling we have to come back there with nickels. But Marcus I think offensively, me. I think we're going to be fine. I really do. I, second year with Gaddis. Excuse me, yeah. Third year. Yeah, Gaddis. I think he's going to be fine. I think Ronnie Bell going to be our leading receiver. We got a lot of unproven guys, but quick unproven guys. But they're all on the small side. They're all about my size, like 5'11", 5'11". But I think the guy out of that group that's unproven that I think will turn out to be okay, I think will be uh, the freshman, A.J. AJ Henning. I've been hearing really good things about him. I think uh, running backs, Charbonnet, Haskins, and we got Chris Evans back because he, he decided he wanted to cheat on his schoolwork. So he's back <laughs> now. So I think our running game is going to be straight. O-line, I think we'll be okay there. Mayfield came back, but – I still, I'm not, I'm not, that's why I think Milton's going to be okay. O-lines, we, we lost four starters. We need a guy to get out there and scramble and make plays. And I think Milton's going to be that guy. I really do. I think, you know, we, I think, I think, I think we just need a nickel quarterback. I just thought, that's all I honestly think. I think, <laughs> I think, I, always, I, I, I think you need a coach, but, um, I've been chilling this whole time. I've been chilling this whole time. I, I have a horrible agenda. Everybody, um, that's fine. 
Look, it's like all y'all got. I asked you to give me a reason to bet, and it they're, turned, I think they're gonna win. Honestly, I think they're gonna win. It didn't really sound good. like that for the last five minutes. No, no, because I said, look, with all that, all things considered, I think Michigan's gonna win. I mean, PJ Flex a good coach, but I'm like, RPO is but about he ain't RPO good. RPO. I don't think he. I mean, let's be real. Y'all think he's better than Harbaugh? Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been following. I've been following Black before he came to the conference. So, no problem, man. I need all, all y'all right now. I need all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Question to ask. <laughs> I have turned into somewhat of a hardball empathizer. Oh, I, because I do think. <laughs> no, seriously. Because I do think he's held to an unfair standard. I think that people live in this world like, oh, Michigan should move on from Jim Harbaugh. To do what? Like, who would be better than Jim Harbaugh for Michigan? Now, I I will say, it's year two with him and Josh Gaddis. You finally get a guy like Joe Milton. Like you said, you've got Bill Haskins, Chabernet. You've got... um, Man, what's the other guy? Ronnie Bell, excuse me. And it's like, he finally has the talent. I think the defense is going to be really good, right? I think that you get a guy um, in Don Brown who, like you said, he, he, he they may not have the most talented defense, but he gets a lot out of them, except in one game of the season. And I'm to the point where I don't even hold Ohio State against Michigan anymore. It's just, like you said, it's how can he perform against Wisconsin, Minnesota, Penn State and those programs who, you know, I think that the Michigan should be better than them. And I want to see what Joe, like, listen, we've all heard about the limitations that Michigan has had at quarterback. And like Akeem said, from all indicators in camp, Joe Milton is finally the game breaker, right? A guy that not going to lose games for you. It's a guy that you can win games with in spite, like he doesn't have to. Like Robinson, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, may, okay, well, maybe, maybe not, you know, absolutely, you know, maybe not that guy, but I mean, he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to do a couple of things. Keep the chains moving for Michigan. I think that's going to be important. He's going to be able to be good enough to hit plays downfield. Better on the fields, by the way. Anyway. And I agree with Akeem. I think, I think Michigan is going to do enough to keep the big plays between Bateman and Morgan down. And I think you'll see a relatively low scoring, let's say 26-17 Michigan. That's how I see it playing. And I, I, had one more, I had one more thing to that. History's not on Minnesota's side on this rivalry either. You thought Michigan-Ohio State was bad. They have, they've only, Minnesota has only beaten Michigan four times since 77. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that joke's been in Ann Arbor forever. Yeah, they so, yeah, I, forgot, I forgot about that. I mean, I, I, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that there's no fans because I think that would have helped Minnesota out, especially being a night game Big and time. it being loud and loudy. But I feel with no fans there, I think, you know, after that energy goes out the first, second quarter, I think Michigan gets busy on them and then we'll see how that QB does. But I think right now, Minnesota's been chatting a lot in the offseason, talking like they're ready for it. But it's one thing to stick on somebody. It's one thing to be actually like, okay, we believe you're this good, so we're going to come at you and give you full strength. And that's what's going to happen to them this year where they're going to see a lot of teams not not sleep on them. And I think they're going to really have to back what they were talking back in the offseason. Chase, why should I bet on Michigan? <laughs> oh, here we go. 
you should take Minnesota and buy some points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my opinion, man, like I, they got Michigan's got, I guess, a decent front seven for their standards, and um, but the offense is a joke. I mean, like you said, they flipped the whole line minus one guy who I guess thinks he's God's gift to right tackle or whatever. But I, I gosh, man, you guys talk so much in the offseason for such a garbage team. It's just to be insane. But no, it's literally built. The team is built like a Rich Rod team on offense again, and oh, that's not going to hold up long-term in a in a uh, October, November, December season in the Big Ten uh, region. But just about this game specifically, um, like we said, man, I, they're, they're kind of small up front, even though that's supposed to be their strength. And Minnesota's offense is no joke. They're playing at home. They have experience, and you just have so much inexperience. And, and Harbaugh always just seems disorganized, like he doesn't have things under control. So yeah. when you're bringing in all these new pieces and you got a coach that's just like he just doesn't even look like he knows where he is half the time on the sideline, it's like, I don't know, man. I, take, I can't trust Take Harbaugh. Michigan at your own risk. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm taking many in the points. Akeem, I can't trust Harbaugh on a bye week when he's got all his players there and all his staff. But I'm supposed to trust him when he's got to do all this by Zoom. <laughs> and mind, That's what I no, mind you, no Nico Collins. No Nico Collins. No Nico, no Nico Collins. Yeah, I forgot about that. No Nico Collins. He just talked about it today, too. So I knew he wasn't coming back because his agent's Drew Rosenhaus. <laughs> I mean, come on. Man. We're, we're mentioning though a lot of guys left that program in in the offseason, including someone that had no reason to leave in McCaffrey. He had no reason to leave because he could have been a grad transfer without waiting a year. Now he's gonna go and wait. Like people are desperately trying to get out of that program when everyone else had people opting back in. So that doesn't, McCaffrey was that's waiting like five years to be the starter, and then all of a sudden Milton comes in. And I'm like, damn, like, what, what got, are we doing? You got the you got the wrong McCaffrey. You got the wrong McCaffrey. Man, let, yeah, let him he, join you up there in Nebraska, yo. I'm he, cool. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> chill out. <laughs> you're looking at you're we looking at the old line. You're looking kill. Like, there, even if you even if you got someone playing ahead of you, you you can still get reps. Like he could go yeah. out for three right. weeks, like we already talked about. So right. I mean, if you're and he he stands to gain nothing. He could have graduated in a couple months and gone to transfer with a free pass now he's got to go wait a year like it makes no sense so i don't know man there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that like i said no one opt back in receivers and the schedule's tough no, too. no experience coming back it, it it looks rough to me on offense I, i'll be interested to see how that looks on the field i'm scared i'm scared that minnesota is gonna maul y'all man because i've seen it too much mm. last year I, I know the ends are good and all that but look from what i saw from pj when that offense was clicking last year I just I don't know maybe it's just because I just specifically remember the Penn State game that RPO right. was okay. killing these dudes man like they just executed so well it, to me it was it was probably a top three RPO offense last year in regards of how it was executed uh, from all levels and he's bringing back a lot of that so they're gonna hit the ground running for sure they've got the trenches um, you got me you I mean. Mark has been selling me on, on, on my man Milton, and, and it sounds great and everything, but this is going to be his first start, his first game. And his coach has been coaching him via Zoom. 
<laughs> a coach that honestly, a coach that honestly historically doesn't make people better at that position per se. So, nope. I'm hey, a little bit in the same. Y'all haven't had practice hit yet. Y'all haven't hit yet. Is it what? Y'all haven't hit yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Shit, from what I heard, nah, man. Oh, hell nah, man. I'm out. Oh, I'm out. That's what they saying, man. I'm out. Oh, yeah, I mean, y'all been hitting it at all. Ain't nobody hitting. Ohio nobody State been hitting since January. Nebraska's been hitting for two anymore. weeks now. Y'all see me. Y'all well, to we know, we know Nebraska's been hitting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Omar, Omar <laughs> said snitched on us to the, to, went to the president, uh, went to the president. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hey Ryan, Dave's been wearing pads. <laughs> no. Every time I watch him get interviewed, the more I dislike that guy. He's like he just has this smug look on his face, like, yeah, I'm just better than you guys. I'm yeah, that's Ohio State. He embodies Ohio, Ohio State. State this is like, hey, this dude is yeah, good. Lamborghini rolling, you gonna act like that, and that's Damn, why he's gonna take, his, like, yeah, take his talents to the and, NFL. And he threatened to put a hundred on us, too. So that's why like, he, oh. he is gonna put a hundred on you if he can, for real. I'm, I'm glad he ain't doing it to us. Yeah, you, don't, <laughs> you don't like Michigan, <laughs> he definitely nah. don't like Harbaugh because your coach won't shut up, he keeps yeah, messing man, with you. Yeah, and like, no, this is his last year of his deal. I like, I love Marcus said, who are we gonna get better? I, I think Michigan has in a better spot than they were 10 years ago. I mean, I honestly do. Absolutely. I will tell you this. I, if, if, I, if, I, if, I can speak, if I can speak on it, I really feel like people have to be realistic with where their program is at and where they can get. There's not that many talented coaches out there. Like, for example, I talked to Ben about the Texas problem with coaching, and he sent me a list of guys he thought about, and I said, outside of maybe Urban and maybe Oregon's coach, who else is going to want to come out yeah. there? Like, you don't have any top coaches that are just laying around saying, hey, I'm going to take your little top program and make it better. And honestly, like, I think some people have to realize and think that, okay, maybe we're a 10-win program. Maybe we're a 9-win program. Maybe this is our ceiling. You have to just deal with it and pray that you get that lucky schedule one year where you can surprise everyone. You can bounce into the playoffs. But that's what a lot of schools are realizing that unless you're giving some new guy, you know, a chance to run the program or – you can pull some top coach. There's not many other coaches out there that are going to be at the hardball, at the day, at the top level where you can say, okay, yeah, I can get 11 wins or 10 wins. Even at Nebraska, I tell a lot of fans that we should be happy to get back to eight, nine, maybe 10 wins because that's going to be our ceiling. We're not going to be an 11-win team again. Those days are over. You have to accept that we're going to be at this level because of our where our population's at and we have no home ground talent. So a lot of schools, I mean, as much as I feel hardball has to tweak the offense, I wouldn't fire him because you're not going to find a better coach unless maybe Urban wants to come there and really fuck things up and whatnot. But um, that's where college football is at. You don't have many top co- coaches out there. The only one I think that's good that doesn't get a lot of, got a lot of love is uh, Oregon's coach. He's actually recruiting out there and getting actual star talent and sort of developing, you know, younger players. He actually has good talent out there. But, yeah, I don't think there's anyone better than Harbaugh for Michigan right now. That's just – that's me being cool and not saying, you know, some – Troll shit, but I feel like yeah, it's man. not a lot of top coaches out there. You have a better Don't chance mean, of me giving Harbaugh credit than that's the, but the bigger problem is I know I, I I accept what Michigan is, but the problem is we're paying him. They're paying him like he's saving Sweeney and uh um, true. 
What's the other dude? Who's the other guy that gets paid a lot? Riley. Damn, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, Lincoln Riley. Riley and Jimbo Fisher. I mean, hey, them paying Jimbo Fisher top dollar. Yeah, the thing I say with Michigan is, man, is with Harbaugh, the worst thing that could happen for him going into a contract year is this build up to the Big Ten primetime game, and you come out and you lose to Minnesota. I think. Then the public perception is, you know, the national storyline is going to be, this is exactly who Jim Harbaugh is. And like, this is exactly what Michigan football is, right? Like no matter COVID, no COVID, whatever (laughs) the situation is, is that the track record is Jim Harbaugh loses big games. Right. And I think that'd be fair to say. And I hope for his sake he wins this game. And because I do want Michigan to be good. I want Michigan to be really, really good because it's better for the conference when Michigan is good. It's better for the rivalry. You know, and of course, better for you guys when we get to you guys, lose 63 to 25 again. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. All I know is Harbaugh hasn't been, hasn't won a big game since dude was your problem. I don't know if you guys recall that when he was coaching at Stanford. Oh, I think Dang. Pete. I think Pete Carroll jinxed him after that because he he walked up to him because I think he went for like two or something when they were up by a lot. And he was like, "Let me tell you to play that broke Jim Harbaugh." Yeah, J T. Barry. Oh my God, broke that wasn't the first down though. We can all agree. It wasn't the first that, down, by the way. But I'm not. I digress. That's the play that broke Michigan. I think that's the play that broke Michigan's growth. And and then the the punt fiasco in Michigan State. Oh my God. Hours. I like, he's I, had his chances, man. I like I said, he's got a, he's got. You feel like he's got. But a you're, you're a losing Michigan. situation. You can't get rid of a top coach like that. No, you can't. Like you guys, you guys are giving Harbaugh too much credit, and not and so like here's the, here's the problem that a lot of programs run into is they don't have enough money or something like Michigan's got all the money in the world. They they are throwing big. He's like Hakeem said, he's he's making ten million dollars a year to, to to do this. Like you can take that. Look what we did with Day. Day's making nothing, and and spread out the rest of that money to build an awesome staff. Like that's what Day did. And he brought in all like there's there's former head coaches on almost every level of the team right now, and or and like young up and coming guys. So so you can build a staff out with that money. You get someone that can actually recruit. He's left tons of meat on the bone in recruiting. Like. They thought he was going to be landing all these guys, and he gets – I mean, the best guys that he's had have been flipped almost every time, and it, they're just not coming there. So when you got the money and you got the resources, you got the facilities, like all these things that the other places don't have that, that say they can't reach that upper echelon, they have that there. What they don't have is a coach that's energizing, like, players on the field and in recruiting. And they don't have – like and, – and I don't think he's given the keys to his staff because even though you got Gaddis and you got – these different OCs that come through, the offense looks the same. It's still this like three tight end nonsense. So, I mean, like Gaddis was supposed to come in and bring this spread rejuvenation. Well, evidently he is. He's bringing in the rich route offense, evidently with the small wide receivers. But we'll see that what that looks like on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know, man. You guys are giving him a lot of credit. I think you can find better for that type of money, um, or, or just like I say, spread it amongst a real staff. And you got to make a change. You can't just say, oh, we're just going to sink into mediocrity. I mean, Notre Dame can get it done. Ohio State's getting it done. Like, you're Michigan. You find a way to get it done. You find the right guy. He ain't it. 
We we found that out. And if he goes and loses, <laughs> well, who? But my, my, my question is though, who do you find out there that you think can really compete? With Ohio State and everyone else hey, in the Big Ten, hey, if you want hey, to be hey. national, like, hey, did you know you who Ryan was until a good man ago? comes along? Don't you know? I'm really thinking, like, I'm really like <laughs> going through of like, did any, like all I can think of was Mark Ryan Day was three years ago. Would you guys no. have had a pipeline of good did you know talent? Who and Tony was when he came years. to Clemson, like, no. I think, but I don't think Michigan is the place that would allow a coach. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I feel like they, they are, they don't live in a world where they would take a chance on a Dabo Sweeney or Ryan Day because nah, they, don't. they don't have Definitely. any faith in the infrastructure that is Michigan football. Like I think Clemson looked at it like, man, we got this guy who obviously is relatable. Like that's his number one skill set. We can get guys like Tony Elliott. We can get guys like Jeff Scott. We can get guys like Brett Venables, and we'll allow Dabo Sweeney to take control of this program and turn Clemson football into what he wanted to be. Michigan, not so much. Michigan football is Bo Beckler, you know, hail to the victors. Like, I don't think they can live in a world where you would have a young guy like a Scott Frost or Ryan Day come in and really, you know, be the next voice of the next generation of Michigan football. I think it looks at it, hey, we need a Michigan man. We need someone who can do this and do that. But And I think Michigan is, I mean, like you said, I I think there is a side where you say, hey, for $10 million a year, you could probably get more value for your money if you went in a different direction. But do you really have faith? And I mean, what would it take? What would it take to get Chris Peterson out of retirement? That would be the only pretty much name that I would think that for me, or Mario Cristobal, like would he want to be in a division with Ryan Day? Would he want to, or would you rather be in a division with Oklahoma? I think if he was presented with those, I think he would probably say, well, Texas is probably a more attractive job. I mean, a state that, you know, has so much talent. The weather's better. It'd be easy for recruiting. And just, Mario got a bag man, too, man. He recruiting he, out in Oregon. He, you know, he's, he's recruiting out there. Yeah, he's still nice. I mean, he's just the most popular name that I'm just putting the Michigan job. You know, the Michigan job is still a top 10 job in college football, mm-hmm. man. Like, like Chase Michigan is basically this. They're that honor roll student that they that thinks they belong in the National Honor Society, but doesn't have the grades for it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's Michigan. Right. We're getting ready Damn. to have an era of of like name and likeness, and y'all are gonna have money to throw around for players. I mean, if you get someone that can actually recruit, like you can really bring talent. There's no reason that you all shouldn't be up and down the East coast the way that Ohio state and Penn state are just like grabbing the best talent out of the DMV and stuff like that. You're not even keeping your guys in state and, and Harbaugh refuses to, uh, to look at Ohio, but it's really the best football in the region. So it's like, Facts. come on, man. Like y- you got to find someone that's willing to recruit. And if and a guy is that, trying to conduct sleepovers, you think players are going to want to come to Michigan? No. <laughs> That's creepy as hell. I don't care what nobody and, says. And, and, then, and then he picked then he picked people like the kicker to, to do that with. And he's still there. Yeah. Like his fifth year. Yeah, you gotta he's get those kicks, man. We gotta get those. You talking about Quinn Nordine? Dude, he's missed more field goals than I can count, man. Like, really? Oh man. damn. So look, fellas, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. Um we're going to start with uh, Jay because your team will probably be ranked last. 
out of the three teams here. So we'll let you go first. What's your parting words, Jay? I'm happy football's back. Um, I hope players stay safe. Hope they take it, you know, advantage of this. It's going to be a fun year. Low wild. Um, I feel like Ohio State would do Ohio State does. I feel like the West will come down to possibly Wisconsin, Iowa. As for me, I'm hoping Nebraska can break even. Um, it's going to be – we had a rough schedule, but I just want to be competitive and to at least fight and be there in every game. Um, it would be interesting for, you know, if cases start getting crazy, but I feel like I'm happy football's back. I wish they'd done the first part where they had the August or the other play we had on conference out, but, hey, we're here, you know, just enjoy it. Hopefully, you know, we get a good Final Four. I think, you know, Ohio State, probably Bama, and maybe Clemson and then another top team, so – you know, football's finally back. All the teams are back, mostly the ones that we care about. Um, let's have a good season. All right. Akeem? Hey, go blue. Black coaches matter. <laughs> <laughs> they really don't, though. Uh, Chase? <laughs> I'm very, very excited to finally see this team hit the field this weekend. Um, I'm excited to see the Big Ten in general. Lots of good games coming up. Buckle up, boys. Fields part two. Time for time to become the number one pick. <laughs> Does anybody is that Best. really winning anything though? Do you really want to be the number one pick this year? As long as it's not the football team. All right. Well the Jets, no, the Jet I think the Jets in a worse position than the Washington football team, man. Absolutely. I think, man, I'm just uh, happy to piggyback on all these dudes. So I'm just happy that Big Ten football is back. I mean, I know I, I joke a lot about Michigan. And I was crushing everybody. But I, I do think that the conference in general is a lot better from top to bottom. Um, and I do think part of that is an Ohio State influence. But, I mean, there's other good storylines. I mean, Michigan, Minnesota. I mean, if listen – I can see Twitter on if Jim Harbaugh loses Saturday, it, 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 it it's, it's going to be catastrophic. Man. Just mute, so, mute me for the whole week. <laughs> I will. Don't worry. I will. <laughs> man, that shit going to be ugly. Minnesota going to be chirping if that happens, man. You're going to be sitting right behind Chase at that table. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just excited to see, man, the growth of Justin Fields and how, you know, we're going to look. I know it's week one, but it, it's just, it just seems like it's been such a long time coming. And from, I could just remember the day of the schedule release to the next, you know, cancellation and to, oh, you know, not happening. Then the Trump's energy. Like, it's been a long road to football for the Big Ten. So I'm just happy that it's back. And uh, go Bucks, man. Let's, let's see how this thing plays out. I'm happy for the Mountain West to return, even though we didn't get to cover it. We don't have people to do a panel on the Mountain West. They don't know what they're missing out. Um, I am happy to see the Big Ten back because my two favorite Big Ten memories are obviously Michigan's losing to Appalachian State and then Clemson shutting out Ohio State and and just the the sadness that was for a long time when it was when those zero jokes were coming around. That wasn't um, even I, I missed those days. Last year was way worse. Last year was way worse. <laughs> of a game then I knew we were going to get blasted in that one. Last year's game really. 31-0 okay. brought us Ryan Day, so. Yeah, that's true too. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm excited though because honestly, in all honesty though, the energy was missing when all the conferences were out. Basically. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, 
we still need the Pac-12 to come back, even though they're not obviously the the conference that the Big Ten is. But it, to to get the SEC Big Ten to get our usual players in motion um, for what should be an interesting playoff is is better. Because again, any scenario where Cincinnati is the number four team in the nation is just unacceptable. That's fucking wild. Yeah, that's solid, but that's wild. Notre Dame's three. Unacceptable. But um, I will I will um get with you, Marcus, um about the other games we had talked about discussing. I'm gonna upload this to the uh, podcast just audio only. I appreciate you guys coming on. Um, next week though, if Michigan loses. If Michigan loses, as a matter of fact, I'm going to stamp it here. Michigan will lose. Akeem, before you get muted, you will come back as our special <laughs> guest, and you will get roasted, okay? Okay. All, all right. I, just, I'm a man of my word. All right. I'll be you. All right. <laughs> you guys, take care, man. Take care, man. Easy, y'all. All right. All right.